You're listening to the Gov Future Podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we speak with Karen Howard, Executive Director and Head of the Office of Online Services at the Internal Revenue Service, IRS. She shares insights into challenges in advancing IT modernization efforts and key technologies being implemented at IRS to enhance taxpayer experience. We discuss challenges in adopting new technologies, such as AI, how the IRS is working with other government agencies, and how the IRS ensures data security and privacy while implementing new technologies. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ron Schmilzer. And uh, we are really thankful to many of you Gov Future podcast listeners who have been reaching out and letting us know what you guys want to hear more of, and actually, in some cases, what you don't want to hear more of in terms of our great conversations with. Uh, government and public sector innovator thought leaders across so many different technology areas. We've been talking about AI and automation and analytics and big data and cloud and cyber and IT modernization and just so many different things and really across so many different uh, perspectives in public sector, federal, state, local and international even. And all of these are really fantastic because we all want to know these government organizations and agencies that we may work with and live with on a daily basis as part of our daily lives. We want to hear how they're using a all these different technologies, these transformative technologies to really help advance the state of the agency and the organizations and everyone that they serve and their missions. So you know, for those of you that are listening to us the first time, definitely stay subscribed, listen to many of our previous podcasts, and we have so many lined up for you. And you'll hear about these great conversations on these key topics that are really helping you, our listeners, and our Gov Future members learn the latest innovations and best practices to stay ahead of innovation in the public sector. And if you're not familiar with GovFuture, we are the fastest growing community of government innovators. I encourage you to go to GovFuture.com to learn more and become a member yourself. But these podcasts are a great opportunity to really showcase the diverse ecosystem that we have at the GovFuture community. So for today's podcast, we're really excited to have with us Karen Howard, who is the Executive Director, Head of the Office of Online Services at IRS. Welcome, Karen, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role now at the IRS. Sure. Um, so I, I am very excited to be here and to share my my story, a little bit of my story. My background is from the private sector industry, uh, largely around um, retail, retail e-commerce, retail international um, manufacturing. And um, my last stint before joining the public sector was with um, financial services in the broker-dealer broker industry um, with an organization right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. My background has been largely around user-facing, um, um, experience-driving um, roles. So operations, merchandising, and, um, and marketing in the retail space, um, largely focused on you know what drives the user to um, to call an action that we're trying to to get based on the agency or the organization's mission so I have a lot of experience in um, marketing um, management of uh, 
you know, on the retail side and also operations that kind of morphed into um, the the digital space as retail became more digitized, um, I would say after the bubble um, in the 90s, 1990s. So really got involved in what was at that time really e-commerce sites and it transitioned to multi-channel, then omni-channel and then unified commerce, which you know, largely stemmed from technology that was able to connect experiences across multiple uh, business entities. So um, I joined the agency about three years ago um, to do just that, to help um, foster a spirit of, with a focus of the taxpayer experience and the employee experience that I like to sum up as the user experience um, with our digital applications. So the Office of Online Services really focused on, you know, the digital applications that sit on irs.gov that drive uh, the ability for users, tax practitioners, customers, and um, even employees to self-serve to meet their tax obligations. So we are, you know, a small but mighty office largely focused on the irs.gov platform, the digital applications that sit on the platform, and the user experience that drives uh, continuous improvement in those applications. Well, that's fantastic. Customer experience, incredibly important. And it's good Mm -hmm. that you learned that from all these uh, industry experiences as well, because we're so used to these customer experiences in finance and retail and all these places. And then Mm -hmm. we interact with government systems and we're sort of taken back to the pre-boom <laughs> that you talked about. And uh, and I'm glad it, we actually have seen notable improvements, obviously, in, in a lot of the websites and the applications and functionality. And a lot of that comes down to like this general idea of like, we're trying to modernize, right? What does modernization mean? It means, well, obviously bringing things up from the things that are not modern, right? And it covers a whole lot of different uh, ideas from terms of new systems and new processes and all sorts of stuff like that. So maybe from your perspective, and some of the things that you've been working on, you know, what what sort of approaches uh, are you seeing in advancing IT modernization? And of course, some of the, the challenges in trying to take these older systems and older processes and make them more familiar to the Gen Zers and the millennials and all the rest of us who have been experiencing great experiences over the past many years. Sure, great question. Um, you know, I think um, in general, Our our approaches are always going to be, you know, first and foremost around the safety and security of um, our customers' information and their data. So we approach things uh, with a slightly more, I would say, a slower pace than than what I was used to in the private sector. But but in general, large organizations really struggle with how to tactically unify and mobilize around the tasks and activities that support implementation and delivery. Of modernized uh, of modernizing their their um, organizations, I think there's always a focus on tools and technology, but really the focus has to be three prong. It really needs to be um, you know business processes and then tools and technology enable that, but more importantly, talent upskilling employees, hiring and assessing uh, what type of talent that that you're going to need to be able to drive and manage and 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 operationalize a lot of the processes and tools you put in place. Um, Solution-focused technology versus, um, I would say, uh, uh, versus, uh, you know, just technology for the sake of technology, right? What problems are you trying to solve and what are the use cases that support that problem? 
I think another area is probably clarity on where the organization is on the spectrum of risk tolerance and risk adverse aversion. I think organizations need to understand where they are there and really need to, as they begin to look at modernization, um, kind of reevaluate where there's a little bit more tolerance or where there's a little bit more uh, aversion and not assume that, you know, the position they've taken in the past is the position that they should continue to take. Um, lastly, I talk about understanding their culture of change management, right, where where they are in the maturity level there, and to develop a, a very crisp and proactive change management plan to make sure that as they move to modernization, it's embraced by not only their employees and their internal stakeholders, but also their, you know, external stakeholders and the customers and users they're trying to serve. Yeah, that's great. You know, I mean, we always like to talk about this. And I think that it's so unique that you have this, you know, private sector experience and then public sector experience and how you're bringing that together, how you can take what you've learned from the private sector and apply it. We always say, you know, everybody should be talking and collaborating and learning from others, whether it's public or public or private sector, because you you both have a lot to learn from each other. So it's wonderful that you're able to bring those experiences in. Thank you. You know, from the IRS perspective, I know that they are, you know, really doing a lot to help and, uh, you know, make things more exciting, uh, apply different technologies to help with uh, the whole, you know, experience that you have at the IRS. So maybe what are some of the key technologies that are being implemented at the IRS to enhance the taxpayer experience? Maybe what are some of the things you can share? Yeah, I, I think uh, most importantly is it's the stuff that you don't necessarily see, but is foundational to our long-term success in improving the experience. Things like cloud-based architectures, um, infrastructures, and solutions. Right, they enable a lot of the um, uh, the applications and functionalities that users directly in- interact with. Um, you know, focusing on our enterprise data platforms, right, that enable us to leverage data um, from the private sector. We used to say monetize data, but here to really leverage data as an asset and use um, the information that we have. You know, the IRS has a whole lot of uh, lots and lots of data, but to to centralize that and be able to use it to not only solve problems, but also find problems that um, where we can be more proactive in how we approach modernization and user experience. Um, we, we're undergoing, you know, with the uh, signing of the Inflation Reduction Act and the recently released um, uh, standard operating um, uh, plan for Uh, the IRA is to, and the funds that came along with it, it's allowed us to really have a plethora of intentional efforts to transition from manual and labor-intensive processes to automation through technology and refined business processes. And another key, uh, key, key thing that we're doing that leverages technology is digitalizing paper, right? Um, You know, tax returns, enabling those to be done in a a digital way, digitizing notices, letters, forms of the like, so that we're we're reducing the amount of paper, which obviously helps with, um, you know, the ecosystem and the the, uh, part of our green efforts. I think those are some of the most prominent things that, that, you know, anyone would readily see that we're doing. The um, Inflation Reduction Act and the funding that came along with it has allowed us to be able to plan uh, to rapidly deploy so many more technologies. I mean, I can go on and on there, you know, uh, 
five key objectives. And under those, you know, literally over, you know, 45 different initiatives. And under those, you know, a good 10 or 20 projects under each of those. So you do the math and you're looking at really a whole, uh, a lot of change that's going to happen in the agency that's um, technology-based, but also people, like I mentioned before, people and skills and processes that will move us quicker and faster um, closing that gap between public and private sector modernization. Yeah, that's really important. And I think a lot of these technologies really go a long way. We talk about automation and digitization, and we've been talking about the paperless office forever. I, I remember when, when that term first came about, and we're, mm-hmm. we're, still, we're still chasing that, that dream, but we're getting closer. We're getting closer in every industry we get closer. And uh, it, it, it seems like we're, we're, we're basically, it's just a matter of making sure that all the various pieces come together. Because as you're, as you're right, it's not just the technology piece. The, we've had OCR for a long time. We've had automation tools for many long times. But we have the other issues, privacy, yeah. security, safety, accuracy, and management. We don't want to put the whole thing behind automation because then when people are out of the loop, we know that problems can happen. And then if there's no way to you know, there's no escalation or anything. People feel unempowered. And I know that's happening on the on the non-government side. A lot of people yeah. are worried about that. <laughs> I think AI really drove, you know, that fear, right? And, and, and I think it's, a, it's a, a, a misconception, right? I think people don't, you know, we went through this with retail, right? Retail thought e-commerce was going to take over and put, you know, traditional brick and mortar out of business. And you, you find, and this is what's going to happen, I truly believe with AI, that you know, you you have to function in a world of both. Humans have to drive what's going on. And what that means is there'll be more opportunities for people. Um, and those opportunities will be based on their willingness to learn new ways of doing their job, right? Because they do have the foundational knowledge of understanding what needs to happen, but learning new ways to share that knowledge to implement. And so I think the fear that we've seen a lot, right? We saw it when, um, you know, uh, uh, debit cards came out. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm aging myself, right? People were like, how am I going to, I'm not going to carry my money around on a card. I mean, I could lose it. And, you know, there was so much, and, and that that just goes to the adoption curve, right? And our ability to, you know, I spoke about this earlier, change management requires a communication plan and a, and a plan of adoption where you're ramping up and driving awareness, but you're really focusing on what is in it for those end users and stakeholders and when the win-win for them. And that's what's going to make, drive that comfort zone. Yeah, that's very, very, very much the case. You know, when we talk about things like IT modernization, the topic of change management comes up a lot because uh, the technology is piece is usually the easy piece, but changing people's behavior and changing the way that we manage it, that's always the harder one. People are much more, uh, you know, ingrained in the way they do things, even if there's new technology. But bringing in this new technology, because you did mention AI, and of course, AI captures so many people's, so much attention right now mm-hmm. because of the promise, right? That's it. It's got a lot of promise to do a lot mm-hmm. of different things. What what do you what do you see as some of the the opportunities and challenges maybe around AI uh, uh, that you're facing and maybe kind of like how are you addressing some of those challenges? I know there's many different people looking at it right now, but from your perspective, it'd be great to hear. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I think privacy and security. You know, you can't be anywhere near or talk about the IRS with IRS without talking about that, right? Will forever be at the foremost challenge. Will be, you know, will be the foremost challenges that the agency addresses in any and everything we do. 
AI not excluded, right? It's even more so. Um, I think that is one of the biggest challenges, um, making sure that um, as we begin to um, approach uh, responsible AI, that we keep, um, you know, security and, and privacy at top of mind, and we have the tools and the people, the expertise that know how to do that. And so the we're not going to rush. You know, there are areas where we're starting to use it now, um, but we're going to be very methodical around how we use it. And, be, and we're going to be very transparent around how we use it, because I think that's how we build government trust is to you know, answer the questions before they're asked. You know, how are you using it? What are you doing with this information? Um, is going to be more important. I spoke a little bit about talent, right? Ensuring the right skill sets are available and onboarded to power and consistently improve um, the information and the processes that drive artificial intelligence. Um, other challenges that the IRS is facing and other agencies, not just the IRS, is rapid internal and external legacy culture, thinking and reluctance to change and change management and the maturity. Um, you know, I, you know where we where we might think that oh, because leaders say do it, it's going to be done. I think that we've seen that not work over years. Um, we have to have a plan, understand where our maturity level of the culture is, and build a plan that's bespoke to the organization we're trying to change. There's no one size fit all or cookie cutter approach. Got to look at, you know, what are what are some of the opportunities? Um, who are the early adopters? Who are the influencers in the organization? Who are the people that are not going to um, move as fast and adopt as fast as other and have a plan? Communication being one of the important parts of the plan. Um, most modern technology like AI function on a function off of trust and uh, trusted and robust data. So standing up a best-in-class enterprise data platform that really exemplifies the agency's risk tolerance in regards to safety, security, and privacy, as well as ethical usage are, you know, are challenges, but opportunities as well, right? How, how, do, how do we do this in a way that um, what kind of data are we pulling in and what are the user rights? Who's accessing that data? And that then translate also translates also into some of the customer or user-facing facing applications that we're building when it comes to online accounts and, and authenticated applications where people can actually see their own data and interact um, in a self-service way. Um, so more to come on a lot of great stuff we're doing, but, you know, the challenges aren't, they're not uh, unique to the agency. They're, they're, they're the same ones, private sector and other agencies. I think um, the only thing that may be a little bit more unique is we have to be more cautious than anyone else because of the amount of data that we have around the American uh, people. Yeah, totally agree. Also, it's one of these things you can't avoid working with the IRS if you need to pay taxes, where at private organizations, you can choose not to work with them or they don't have to, you know, take on everyone as a customer. And the IRS is and many different government agencies, right, are mm -hmm. not that way. So mm -hmm. you you need to be mindful of that. And that's why I think sometimes adoption can be trickier as well of these new and emerging technologies, because yes, it's great to embrace that, but also you need to understand that there's 
folks that you have to deal with that maybe don't have access to a computer or don't feel comfortable, you know, filing their taxes online and they prefer to have paper. And you need to be working with all of that and and really accommodate everybody, which is actually, you know, a, a benefit and a challenge, right? You get to work with everyone, but then the challenge that you have to work with everyone and keep maybe some of those legacy systems that organizations would just do away with. Yeah, and a lot of those mar- marginalized populations, right? They're they're critical for us to understand. We can't exclude them. Um, we still, as much as we'd like to be paperless, there's still going to be paper. As l- much as we'd like to have more authenticated users self-serving within their applications, we're going to have to have unauthenticated and call centers and and tax centers, tax assistance centers where people can actually walk in, whether it's because they don't have access or it's a preference. Um, You know, no matter the reason, we've got to um, make a way for everyone to be able to comply with their tax obligation with a good experience. Exactly. So, you know, we had touched upon uh, that collaboration between public and private sector, but collaboration and coordination among different government agencies really is crucial because, you know, your problems, like you said earlier, are not unique to just you, but sometimes people... Uh, you know, can just get tunnel vision or really be focused on their task and not look outward to how others are solving it. So how is the IRS working with and learning from different government agencies to help with some of, you know, the deliverables and the emerging technologies that you're looking to adopt? Sure. The agency has always done a a really good job in collaborating and partnering with state, local, and other federal and international organizations, as well as industry, to understand best practices, lessons learned, evolving user needs, and so on. Um, The transformation that we're seeing now takes advantage of the existing efforts um, in this area and underscores um, the need to continue to lean into these efforts much, much more often. I think also making sure we have diverse leaders, right, who come with that different perspective, um, you know, diversity across ethnicity, experiences, cultures, so that we understand in a, in a you know, voice of the, you know, user way, things that may not be readily um, um, obvious through data or, or, or in limiting our collaboration with certain, certain uh, personas or groups, we have to be very broad and even broader now. So outreach efforts um, and taking advantage of the government's uh, accountability office, GAO's office, their efforts to lead practices and collaboration across all of the government agencies that I mentioned before, as well as industry, um, really taking advantage of any opportunity um, to share what we're doing, but also allow those feedback mechanisms and to continue to, um, you know, even more so um, advance activities that we've been doing um, for a long time now. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I we love to hear this collaboration. We are all about that. We're all about getting <laughs> urgencies and ag- agencies across the board. And even you mentioned a little bit of state and local when you were talking about that federal. And that's very important because in order to make a lot of what federal agencies want work, well, it eventually mm-hmm. has to come down to the individual and they le- they live in a particular place. Yeah. So how it all happens. <laughs> So let's let's talk a little bit about that. You mentioned security and privacy a lot, which is fantastic. People like to hear that because this is their private information. You know, this is not stuff that needs to be on a website or stolen by hackers or 
otherwise manipulated in, in ways and also just in general, you know, dealing with like their, their people revealing information for purposes and they don't want it to be used, say, for other purposes. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, you know, like what guidelines, what practices, you know, what can you share about security and privacy that you may be doing? That's not specific to any one technology, but maybe right. across the board. Yeah. Right. So the IRS has several offices um, in the business and technology side, so not just technology, whose sole purpose is to set the guidelines, the standards, the policies, and to monitor um, these activities around data to ensure data security and privacy is top of mind and a core requirement when implementing new technologies and business processes, but also when testing and auditing um, existing processes and technologies. So just to name a few, we have the Identity Insurance Assurance Office, we've got Privacy Government Liaison and Disclosure Office, Office of Fraud Enforcement, Cybersecurity, and while these offices, um, to name a few, because there are more, are solely committed to data security and privacy, every office and every person is accountable for doing its part to ensure um, that data and, and, and privacy is top of mind. For my office in particular, when we are you know, implementing an application, when we're looking at business requirements, we interact across the office um, across the agency um, to ensure that we're following the guidelines that are in place as we continuously improve and test these applications. That is part of the core requirement to be able to launch and to continuously improve on, on, on these applications that sit on irs.gov and beyond. Yeah, you know, we always like to hear all this different stuff. We always love demos, love to see things in action. So I encourage our listeners to check out our Gov Future events as well so they can see what the public sector is doing because you're doing some really wonderful things. We had a demo from uh, IRS as well with the Augmented Reality app. So, mm -hmm. you know, this has been such a wonderful podcast. We'd love to hear from all of our different thought leaders in the public sector. And we we wrap our podcast up with the same question because no matter how many times we ask, we always get different responses because it's really, you know, what you hope to see. And also you're mm -hmm. able to bring in your unique perspectives, each guest is. So what do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in the government? So I would say I call it my IRS Santa list. Right? <laughs> I'm extremely excited about the possibilities that AI leveraging large language models and natural language can bring, especially around search enhancement tools like ChatGPT. The possibilities here when done correctly and responsibly are endless. We're only seeing the tip of this iceberg. So um, we have to be very cautious and timely when we dive into it. We can certainly begin to do the foundational work, which is happening so that when the timing is right, we're not starting from scratch. We're not, you know, behind the, the industry in this area. Um, chat GPT is very exciting. It'll, re it'll force us to rethink a lot of areas like content creators, editors, and upskill them to be more content forensics, you know, <laughs> where their focus is more on fact checking. Um, human beings are always going to be in the loop with these type of automated and augmented reality and and and, and artificial intelligence. Um, and so so the 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 possibilities there are very exciting to me. 
Another area of advancement further down the road, once foundational efforts are in place, is you just mentioned it, augmented reality, the ability to, to realistically humanize an experience, a digital experience, will not only advance us farther into optimizing the user experience, but it'll keep us more modern, right? As we see um, more of that becoming uh, the reality. Um, more advanced automation, and and this is nothing new, but I think um, when I look at a lot of manual processes and uh, you know the tendency to throw people at problems um, uh, that can that are done around redundant and repetitive tasks, um, I think um, uh, automating processes and advancing BPA business process automation is huge. Another area I think robotics. So robotics has been around a long time. But I think where where we can continue leveraging AI to make robotics a lot more trustworthy, a lot more dependable um, in areas like facility maintenance tasks, like, you know, trash collecting, painting, you know, those type of areas where we can then deploy people where there's more value and where there's more thought leadership behind some of these technologies. And then, you know, increased biometrics, use of biometrics. I know that's scary. <laughs> biometrics is scary, right? Um, but I think where we, as we look at, you know, risk tolerance and risk aversion and security and how people can easily and rapidly get in and out of certain, you know, areas and applications, really looking at where biometrics can be um, leveraged um, as far as safety and security and, and knowing who is accessing what it could be a huge advancement that I'd, that I would, you know, welcome and would like to dive into a little bit more. Fantastic. I love all those areas. We love all the technology, <laughs> love the innovation. Uh, we've also seen a lot of the technology adoption. So it's kind of funny. We, so we call it a little bit of a, a head fake, I guess, is good to work. We talk about technology. We say it's about innovation. But fundamentally, it really is about people and process. Because really I, sometimes I feel like we've been talking about the same technology forever. So, mm -hmm. so and actually, th that's the funny thing about AI, because it feels so new. But AI itself goes way it's been back. around, yeah. <laughs> it's the 1950s. So... One of the oldest technologies, honestly, older than databases, right? Older than the internet, old, older than mobile, and uh, older than the cloud, for sure, right? Uh, but the cloud feels old and AI feels new. I don't know. It's very strange the the way that that, that these things happen. So right. this was a fantastic conversation. And then Kathleen actually mentioned that there was a demo. And so what she was talking about was we run a GovFuture forum event, which mm -hmm. uh, we actually do it both online. So for those who are interested in viewing some of our online only versions, we have those as well, as well as we run an in-person GovFuture forum event in the Washington, D.C. region at George Mason University on the third Thursday of every month. And we have government folks from agencies like yours who demo and show off what they're doing because it's great to actually see this, right? And you can see this in person. And as mentioned, now we're doing them online as well. So we encourage our listeners to check out what uh, we're doing at GovFuture Forum. You can go to govfuture.com and pull down the events bowl, pull down, you can see the DC events, the online events. We'll have our friends from IRS come by and demo anytime, any technology, automation. We love it. Digitization, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. We saw the mobile app, as you mentioned. All these things are great. Our doors are always open to anybody in the public sector who's listening, who wants to demo anything federal, state, local, international. We have opportunities for you all. So on that, I just wanted to thank you so much, Karen, for sharing with us and providing this fantastic insight to our future podcast listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to demoing some of the great digital applications we're rolling out over the next three to five months. So reach back out to me. 
Happy we to absolutely demo. will. Yes. And <laughs> listeners, that means stay tuned and subscribe so that you can hear about it coming up. We've also got great resources if you're looking to get more insight and detail on a range of technology that we discussed in this podcast and other topics as well. Check out our resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more at govfuture.com slash resources, which is tailored just for you, our GovFuture listeners. Become a GovFuture member to take advantage of all that the community has to offer. We touched upon just some of the great stuff that the community has, but you can get access to a diverse network of government innovators from all levels of government, opportunities to collaborate with different government agencies at both the state, local, federal, and international as well. Uh, you know, we we want to make sure the whole ecosystem is being represented. Also, exclusive access to events and resources and a platform to have a voice in shaping the future of government innovation. So to learn more and sign up, go to govfuture.com slash join, and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and also rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast and catch you at the next episode.